You are listening to Fruit Salad, a series by Pastor Bay Allen on the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians. Good morning, church. I am so excited to be here today. We're starting a new series called Fruit Salad, and I was talking with a friend just the other day, and they said, Fruit Salad, because I told them the name, and, and they, said, they said, Fruit Salad. And I said, yeah, Fruit Salad. Don't you like fruit salad? Everyone likes fruit salad. And they say, okay, I can, I can go with that, I guess. <laughs> well, what we're going to be doing is spending some time with uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22 to 23, where it lays out all these fruits that we have of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. Um, and so we're going to be digging into this. We get to see the delicious variety of, of this spiritual soul food that we receive through the Holy Spirit that we are also to share with others in this great picnic of life. So let's sink our teeth in already, all right? If you would join me in your Bible or an app app on your smartphone, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, which reads, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My daughter, she, she came home from school the other day, and she was pretty upset. Now, any of you parents in this in, in this listening realm, I guess I'm on the internet today, uh, but any, any of you in the house who realize when your child is upset, they don't stop talking about it until you also start to get upset. Even in the level-headed wisdom of adulthood, you begin to enter into their situation. You begin to demonstrate some of their emotions and frustration. My daughter, she comes home from school and she has this piece of paper. Nothing really strange about that, but wait for it. I soon discovered that this piece of paper was actually a form asking for $3.50. But wait for it. That $3.50 was for a musical instrument that all fourth graders are required to learn, an instrument that will continue to be a learning requirement as these fourth graders become fifth graders, and that instrument rarely sets foot even into an orchestra or an ensemble. It doesn't have any noticeable professional music residents in traditional, classical, or modern genres of music. I am talking about the recorder. Who'd have thought such a little thing, a little instrument that's supposed to bring people, you know, joy, music, who'd have thought it could cause such grief? My daughter was distraught. She was, she was so upset because she didn't have a choice. They just gave her some random wind instrument. I mean, seriously, how many professional recorders do you, do you know? I don't know if that's a word, recorder, recorderists. I can't even think of any. No one saying, I play recorder for the Pittsburgh Symphony. My daughter, she was distraught. She, she's had violin lessons. She loves to play at the piano. She enjoys guitar, ukulele, drums, singing, you name it. She loves music. She loves it. But a recorder. <laughs> oh. I tried to overcome my bias to talk with her, to soothe her and say she was just overreacting, that it's still a musical instrument, show it some respect, you know, all, all that Mike Brady kind of stuff that da- daughters are supposed to get from their dads, right? And she's just going off on how I'm not learning it, it's stupid. 
all the while making me more upset. She's upset. I'm getting upset. And what I noticed was that while I was getting upset, I was originally just upset with her being upset. But the longer she kept dropping these rotten apples of negativity about this recorder, I started to adopt her mindset. I didn't like the recorder either. What's the point of a recorder? God, won't you enlighten me? Have you ever been there? Slowly, you're, you're convinced or you're swayed to get on board with a negative point of view. It happens, right? More often than we'd like to admit. Here I was, the wise adult, and I started to become influenced by her hatred. That's strong. Her disdain of recorders, about their lack of significance in the music world. All of it. I was eating this rotten fruit, devouring it. I've titled today's message, For the Love of It All. The scripture that is guiding us in this fruit salad series, again, comes from Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to give you a brief history lesson, because it's going to set the stage for the whole series. But Galatians was a letter written by this guy named Paul. Um, He wrote about 30% of the New Testament. He wrote Galatians around 40, 50, or 60 A.D. This letter is written to the early church at Galatia, a little place in the Roman Empire, located in modern-day Turkey. Uh, It was coming to terms with what it meant to live in line with the teachings of Jesus Christ. This meant that we, today, as the church, can take a lot away from this old letter, which is a good thing. Specifically, we see in, in Galatians, we see the freedom of Christ juxtaposed, it's set alongside with what it meant to live according to the laws of Rome, but also to the laws of Moses. And I say the laws of Moses because even those of us who may have not read the Old Testament, perhaps we, perhaps for some of us we think the New Testament is all that we need because that's where Jesus comes into play. But even for those of us who have never read the Old Testament, we generally have at least flipped through the Psalms a few times, um, which we think David wrote in its entirety, but he didn't. You know, even Moses wrote some of those. We also have most likely heard about this guy named Moses. Um, and he he's the one with something called the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament, book known as Exodus, where we see some guy named Moses who may or may not have not looked like Charlton Heston, probably not. But he went up on a big mountain. He, he talks with God. God gives him these Ten Commandments on these stone tablets. He breaks them, has to rewrite them. And that's what many of us translate as the laws of Moses, which is also not entirely true. Not entirely. You see, the laws of Moses started from those Ten Commandments of God, but then they branched out like Peter Cottontail's family tree. These Ten Commandments from God became more than 750 laws in early Jewish culture. And I don't want us to get off track, but I want to give you this backstory, this line of thought, because this is what Paul is writing within. This is the context of this letter. It's good to know the context. So Paul is writing to a church that's trying to figure out how to live and walk in the footsteps of Christ instead of in the shadow of all these 750 plus Mosaic laws, trying to live into the freedom that we have in Christ. Go home, read Galatians, it won't take you very long, and you'll see this theme come up. Who the Son sets free is free indeed, and Paul also hits home the point, echoing the teachings of Jesus, the concept, love your neighbor as yourself. You see it in this chapter earlier, Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, 
my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So we see the depth of our freedom, a freedom designed for others, just as we were designed for others, for community. But we also see this wonderful concept of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul, I think, like me, would have loved a good fruit salad at a picnic. He uses this image of fruit to show us that there is a variety in living a life that resembles Christ. Let's look at the scripture again. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Again, that's Galatians 5, 13 to 14. Love. That's what we're talking about. This is not a I love music as long as it's not a recorder kind of love. This is agape love. That's the word that was used. Some of you, um, you know, long ago we we did an Advent series, and I, and I talked about love a little bit um, and how the Apostle Paul uh, uses this word quite a bit. Um, now, most of his writing has three or four different words for love in the Greek. There's the phileo, there's eros, there's storge, and there's agape. Remember, phileo, that's that easy love, that surface-dwelling love, that kind of love you reserve for things like sitcoms and hamburgers. Um, It often stems from cultural acceptance, opinions that are easily supported by the crowd, the way you feel about someone, the reason some friends get a $20 gift for Christmas, some get a $10 gift for Christmas, others just get a card, and some get forgotten altogether. Um, That's that kind of love. And then there's eros, which is kind of like puppy love, emotionally fueled, passionate. It's where we get the word erotic from. Um, So it's all that 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 kind of stuff then there's storge it's that deep sense of family you know nothing runs as deep as blood um this is it, it can also turn into a love for extended family as well which is why footballers go go Steelers and and then in hockey go pens or baseball go bucks let's go bucks when you when you belong to something larger than yourself that's what storge is when you belong to something larger than yourself and there's like an invisible bond that cannot be broken you know i love my team even in church we see this i love my church that's that kind of love these loves aren't necessarily bad but here we see once again paul in this scripture uses the word agape unconditional love if you didn't know that put that in your notes right agape unconditional love we should love our neighbors unconditionally not because they're rich not because they're poor, not because they wouldn't be caught dead in a flyer's jersey. Unconditional love means without condition, no matter what. Paul urges the church, which includes us, here's some 2,000 years later, to love our neighbors unconditionally. And if we do that, we will uphold the heart of the law. And Paul taught this because Jesus taught this. You see, speaking of love, And we usually think of hearts when we think of love. You know, I heart you. You have the two hands coming together and making a heart. Uh, I heart you. The heart of the law had been lost on the EKG of religion. Mosaic law. Jump through this hurdle, that hurdle. On this day, do this. On this day, don't do that. It became more of a checklist than an extension of the heart. 
What we're looking at is gravity and grace, the difference of gravity and grace. Um, Love and law are pretty different things. I think we need to ask ourselves, which one am I going to live by? Love or law? Am I doing this because my heart is in it or because I feel I have to or for some other reason? What is the motive? Paul tells us that the fruit of the Spirit which I believe wholeheartedly began with this word, unconditional love, agape, for a reason. This whole list starts with love. Paul says, against these things there is no law. No law. There are elements of eros, erotic love. They're definitely against the law. Elements of storge love that could obliterate someone else's freedom against the law. Phileo love, well, that one falls short all over the place. But agape love, Paul says there is no law against such a thing. I want to point something else out. We're we're talking about fruit. Fruit is the byproduct of something else. A tree makes an apple. A vine makes a grape. A scientist makes a grapple. Fruit comes as a sign, an offshoot as a proof of the existence of something bigger than itself. What I believe Paul is saying here is not that we should try and show agape love. I think what Paul is saying is that we will show agape love as a result of the Holy Spirit that is living within us. That's what I believe Paul is saying. And you may start to beat yourself up, feel like you're you're not a good Christian. Maybe you're not truly saved because you're lacking the fruit. Maybe these thoughts propel you further into the grace of Jesus Christ in your faith. I hope that they do. Don't look down at your shoes for too long. We're all there sometimes. Don't beat yourself up. The fact that you want to beat yourself up is a pretty good sign that the Holy Spirit is in you, or you'd feel nothing at all. Don't question your salvation over your inability to show any of these fruits. I say this because fruit is pointing to something bigger. Fruit can't make itself. It is made by something bigger. Agape love is made not by us, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, the redemptive, transformative, and matchless grace that we have in Jesus Christ. That's where this love comes from. From the love that Christ gave to us. Greater love has no man than this, than he give his life for his friends. That is love thy neighbor as yourself. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That is unconditional love. That is agape. I believe this is what Paul is saying, telling us, teaching us. Another wonderful thing about fruit is that there are different seasons for different fruits. A month ago, I paid much less for strawberries because they were in season. There are seasons for different fruits. You you won't always have agape love lying on the ground or ripe for the picking, but there will come a time when it is there. Again, don't beat yourself up. Look for the growth. Sprouts shoot up before the fruit. There's growth that takes place even before the sprouts. When you see nothing, when you see no signs at all, there's still growth going on. We've got a long way to go as we become more and more like Christ. My daughter, again, she loves music. But music and the musical instruments that are used to make that music, there is such variety there. Look at our worship music. Not even 50 years ago, most churches had an organ. 
Not even a piano, many of them. Not in the sanctuary. Now we have organs. We have both pipe and Hammond. We have, we have pianos and synth keyboards, guitars, both, both acoustic and electric. We have bass guitars, drums. There, there's such a variety in our worship expressions beyond the music, too. Dancing, uh, painting, you know, even our styles. We have different words like contemporary, emerging, traditional, shared, blended. There's variety. Perhaps there is a place for the professional recorder in the Pittsburgh Symphony after all. Perhaps there is a place for an unconditional love of music. Not loving it for what it sounds like, but for the fact that it is still music. It still has meaning. It still offers something to the world, even if it is not our first choice. Perhaps there is unconditional love for our neighbors. Even those we pretend live in another zip code, but don't. Fruit salad is the concept which speaks to variety. Through the fruit, we have access to a variety of things to to offer to our neighbors. Love is the first one of these that we're spending time with in this series. Unconditional love. Agape love is just one of those fruits. Remember, this is not our doing. This is a fruit of the Spirit. This comes from the Spirit. You want to see more unconditional love in your life? I'll tell you how you do it. You don't go out and get a self-help book. You strengthen your relationship with God, and the fruit grows. I like to take this meaning away from this scripture. I hope I'm not alone. Some of you could argue. We can we can discuss this. As I look at Christians, those in Galatia, those here in Beaver Falls, everywhere really coming to terms with what it means to live a life that looks more and more like the teachings of Christ, I believe that we, the church, the people, not the building, we are the fruit of the Spirit. So often, we are the fruit of the Spirit. We become unconditional love in the world. We become joy in the world, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in the world. The Holy Spirit uses us as a spiritual fruit salad to feed the masses. Apart from the Holy Spirit, how do we expect to be these things. We can't do this on our own. Fruit doesn't make fruit. Fruit comes from something bigger than fruit. Fruit is the proof of the existence of something bigger. God is real. And some roll their eyes. They're like, I'm a Christian. I know God is real. But some of we, some of us, we don't know this and we're wrestling with this. I say God is real because I realize this question holds a megaphone in the world. We say, how does God exist? Where is God when everything goes to hell in a handbasket? I know God exists because of that shoulder that you can cry on. Because of that kindness in the midst of ridicule. That acceptance where others push you away. That need being met through an individual, a church even, but possibly just one person. God exists because a fruit doesn't make itself. It is the proof of something bigger. Our love for one another is God's love for the world. In closing, whether you play violin or a recorder, 
Whether you play organ or electric guitar, there is great variety. And the Holy Spirit will work through the delicious variety that this spiritual fruit salad, the church, contains. It is my prayer that we will all be transformed so that through us the Holy Spirit can show unconditional love to the world. We can't do it alone. And some may say, that's great, Pastor Bay, but where's the takeaway? How can I action step my way into agape love if the Spirit doesn't and fruit doesn't make fruit? Well, I'll tell you how. Grow in your relationship with God. Spend time in the scriptures. Spend time in prayer, in mission, in service. Outside of Indiana, Pennsylvania, I lived there for like 15 years. There's this little blueberry place. You can go go and pick fresh blueberries. I never really knew it was there until I saw it one day. Growing up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, there was this strawberry festival in a little farming community called Pungo, and you could go pick fresh strawberries. Delicious. Never knew it was there until I noticed it one day. When you grow in your relationship with God, you are also growing as the fruit of the Spirit. In the fruit of the Spirit. You may have not noticed that such a fruit was there growing all this time right under your nose until you finally notice it one day in study, in prayer, in mission, in service. You notice it. I know you will. Praise God from whom all blessings flow for the love of it all. What a blessing. All this delicious variety. May God give you eyes to see all of the blessings that flow. In the church, there is, there is fruit all over the place. Yes, even the recorder has a place in the orchestra. Don't get motivated or demotivated by the rotten fruit of the world, but by the delicious fruit of the Spirit, who the Son sets free is free indeed. May the Spirit guide you and direct you, encourage and inspect you, propel you and project you into this world in which we live. May the Spirit cause us to become the fruit to a hungry world. May we show agape love, not so that everyone takes notice of the fruit, but there's something bigger that causes that fruit to grow.